0: Good morning. Scripture reading this morning will be from the book of Romans. If you'd open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, be reading 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die, but if you live by the Spirit, you will be put But if you live by the Spirit, you will be put to the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And the church said, Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Phil. Well, lots of exciting things going on. Like Joel mentioned, there's all kinds of things that are happening. VBS is going to be in a few weeks, and so I know there's registration forms out there for your children. If you uh, would like to sign them up early, we'll make sure we've got everything planned for them, as well as some workers and things like that needed. Thank you for leading the song that we learned on Wednesday, so we'll There's some other ones that are just about ready, so if you want to get to the Wednesday class and uh, be able to learn those, that's a great thing. Um, Also, there's going to be, be a meal, so you don't have to worry about that this Wednesday. If you come at 530, it's going to be great as well. So we've been talking about being open lately and what that really means. I'm not sure we're open to very many people or open about very much. And it just seems to be the nature of our society. The more you spread people out, the more they're able to be open. The more you pack them together, the less open we become. Now, I'm not sure that's scientific. That just seems to be my general observation. If you put everybody right next to each other, then, then we've got to have some privacy. If you give them all privacy where you can't even see your neighbor, well, then you want to tell them what's going on in your life. And so as you think about this and you think about how we could be open with God since, you know, it, it would be important for us to do that. And we've talked about this open to God and we can see God. We understand God. We know he's the creator. He's given us his word. We can see the, the things that he's done and the way that he's dealt with people in history. And so we're able to see all of that and understand that. We're able to be open to Jesus because we actually have stories about Jesus And stories that Jesus told. And so we have his time on earth. Now it's a little bit harder to understand the time not on earth, but we understand Jesus a little bit more. Because people saw him, he was here, we have words again. Things that he taught, things that he said, things that he did, and that always makes it much easier. So today we want to talk about being open to the Spirit. He's invisible. Well, God was invisible. And right now you don't see Jesus either. He never said anything, even though nobody spoke without him. Any of the teachers, any of the prophets, even Jesus himself, the spirit comes at his baptism. He didn't write anything down. But there wasn't anything written without him. And so it's kind of hard to grasp who he is. It's well, he's there and but he's the part you don't see. So how do you be open to the part that you don't see? That gets to be a little bit more difficult because we can understand a little bit about Jesus and about God, but when we start getting to the Holy Spirit, well boy, that's a little bit harder. When we look in the Old Testament, the Spirit was given to prophets, to kings uh, to people who were building the tabernacle, to the people who authored the Bible. And uh, we see it was given in order to enhance what they had. In other words, God didn't really trust them to make the tabernacle like he wanted. And so he gave them extra ability in order to make it. He gave authors extra ability in order to be correct he gave kings extra ability in order to govern the people and as long as they followed God and had this Holy Spirit they understood what it was all about there's even a story with Saul about the spirit being taken away there's the story with David about him being afraid and and not wanting that spirit to be taken away because he realizes how important that is And today we realize that we are able to have that Holy Spirit as well. I want you to realize the main reason for this is because back in the time in when we look in the Old Testament, most of the people didn't have it. If you weren't a prophet or a king or someone like that, none of the people had it. There was no personal gift of the Spirit. There was no indwelling of the Spirit like we have today. There was no, I mean, it was a matter of, well, you try hard and, then when you fail, you try hard again. And if that doesn't work, well, let's try it again, get back up, and we'll try harder again. Have you ever tried over and over again to do something, and you just can't seem to get it right? Like trying to behave? Trying to be nice? I mean, there are some people that just aggravate you no end, right? And so how do they expect you to do that? Even simple things like trying to ride a bicycle, it probably took two or three or 9,000 times for you to get up on the bicycle. And it doesn't always come easy. And so when we start thinking about the Spirit and about what happens and about how they had, that's all they had was, okay. well, we failed. Now let's try again. And they just didn't get it and didn't understand it. So whenever I get in trying to explain difficult concepts, I always turn to my great theologians that I know, Calvin and Hobbes. (laughs) So the mom says, goodness, you're filthy into the tub with you. And he goes up. I obey the letter of the law, if not the spirit. Let's hear some water running. Well, she just said into the tub. She didn't say the other part. And that's kind of like what happened with some of the Jews. They did exactly what God said. It was not always what God intended. And it did not always change them inside. And it did not always make a difference in their personal life or who they were. And so it's like trying to run things without this understanding. And yet the Spirit is the one who gives this kind of understanding. The Spirit's available to us all since the time of Pentecost. We see that time it was made possible because Jesus had died on the cross, the sacrifice had been made, and so now we are able to take advantage of a whole different covenant where we can be cleaned by the blood of Christ and not by a requirement of a law sacrifice. And because Jesus did that, once we were clean, once we were baptized into Christ and all of our sins were washed away, we were also immersed in the Spirit. And so one cleanses, and so the cleansing was done by Jesus, and one fills, and this filling was done by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a matter of getting all the bad things out of your life. It's a matter of putting in all the fullness of God into your life. And we seem to do fairly well trying to explain, stop sinning, stop behaving badly, stop doing all the things that are wrong. But we have trouble when we say, I want you to put the fullness of God into your life because that becomes more difficult to do and it's it doesn't have a list and. You know, there's not a law, and and it's one of those things that gets a little bit more difficult to explain. But it happens by the Holy Spirit. So we want to talk about that a little bit today. The main thing I want you to realize is the Spirit does not shout. You get the impression sometimes that God shouted and people could hear it. Like when God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. The people were scared. The mountain was rumbling and the thunder and the earthquake. And God spoke from the top of the mountain. And it was loud. And the Spirit doesn't do that. He just whispers. And sometimes He's right. We don't obey someone who shouts at us, do we? We might if they whisper. And so the passage that we read in Romans is after... I mean, we're all the way down into Romans, and he's been talking about how this has been done and the way that the, the way of the Spirit is so much better in the way that was before. And he says, we're debtors. What are we in debt to? Well, Jesus, who came and died on the cross for us. And then he makes a couple of statements here. I want you to realize we're by no means going to cover all the Holy Spirit today. OK, just so I want you to know that. But we just want to take a couple of passages out of Romans 8. He says, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You do what? You know the things that they were told not to do? And it's just a matter of try harder, try harder, try harder. And you just can't get past the want to. You know, you always seem to want to do the things that are wrong and don't want to do the things that are right. And so we've always had trouble with this temptation. We can always feel the want and it's contrary to God and we want to do that. It's the reason the prodigal leaves. I mean, he has a perfectly good house, a perfectly good job, a perfectly good place. But there's that call from the city, that far country. And he's heard the story, and it sounds like other people are having more fun than me. And other people have got, you know, more exciting things going on than me. I'm working on the farm. How, How important or glamorous can that be? I want to go away. And somehow that's exciting and the warnings against it being wrong just make it more exciting. That's the way we are. And somehow we want that exciting and we're drawn because perhaps we're bored now and we want some kind of excitement or perhaps it's because we think something's more fun. We think it's going to be much better there. We like to live on that edge of danger. You know, it's that thrill. It's that, you know, boy, this could all go bad really quickly and. Then when it does, we're wondering, why did we want that? This is Satan's trick. It's exactly what he does. And I wish I could explain to you exactly how the Spirit does this, but I don't know. But he says, the thing that they tried over and over and over again was try harder, try harder, try harder. And today, Jesus' message to you is, by the Spirit, you can put that to death. You can get rid of that. What does he mean? He means you can change your want. You ever been able to change your want? Decide, I'm going to want something else. No, it's still, we want the same things, don't we? He says, by the Holy Spirit, He's going to work from the inside to change the things that you want. He doesn't shout. He doesn't warn. But when we are focused on the Holy Spirit and what He does, we have a different relationship with God. And by looking to the Spirit, we find that joy. We find that excitement. We find something that is just amazing and beyond everything else than what anyone from any place of fun would have. And those led by the Spirit, he says, are sons of God. They're part of a family. They belong together. They found a place where they fit. And so they are led together. And they're not fearful of going back into slavery again where God said, do this. Now we have to. God said, do this. Now we have to. God said, I know some people see church that way. And he says, the reason you see church that way is because you've never really understood what the Holy Spirit is like or what the Holy Spirit does. But you hear people talk about church that way. And it's like, don't you understand the family concept? And and how much love and caring that there is. Okay, they talk about families that way, right? My parents are terrible. They want me to do things all the time. I have to put away my dishes. I have to clean my room. It's horrible. I'm nothing but a slave. Yeah, you really don't understand anything, do you? You need a little perspective. And I think the prodigal son gets that perspective. He thought he was being persecuted so much. And it doesn't work like that. So we are led by the Spirit into this adoption As children of God and we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit even says we are children of God because we act like Him. We want the same things He wants. We understand that. We look like Him. We fit in the family. And you know how families fit together. Everybody's got sharp edges. and They have to jostle and jumble around and try and, okay, now we get along. All right, sometimes, kind of. But they would be intensely fierce if anyone threatened them, because we don 't want anyone getting in the way of our family, and church might be the same way sometimes you 're going to you know say well it 's a little difficult fitting it all in together, but well we sure don 't want anyone in the way of what Jesus has to come and say or what he does. So let me just ask you, being led by the Holy Spirit is the other thing that he mentions in this passage. How are you led by the Spirit? Well, we're led into being sons of God, but what does it really mean to be led? How are you led now? Well, first, we're led by advertising, for one. We see all the The things that are going on and we're led by all the things that that, you know, they tell us we need and we'll be happy if we just had one more of these or, you know, we've got the red one, but we need the blue one in order to really be happy. We need the latest model. We need the. And they're always trying to tell us what it would like to be in this. We're led by how we feel. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Well, I feel like doing it today. And so we're more led by, you know, well, what do I want And I don't mean by what do I want. Really, it's like, what do I want right in this minute? It'll change five minutes from now. But what do I... And so sometimes we're led by just impulse, if nothing else. Sometimes we're led by our own plan of success and how we need to get ahead in life and how we need to do all these things. Sometimes we're led by people around us who give us advice and tell us, well, this is what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know how to take care of myself, but I'll let you tell me what I need to do. And we won't listen to God. Led by the spirit. What does that really mean? Well, you can still be a success. I'm not trying to argue against that. And a lot of these things are still there. You're still going to have feelings. You're still going to see advertising. You still need to have a plan and all of this, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is what God is doing around you and the focus that you're able to have and how you see the people of God and what God wants for them through you. We see the mission of God. We see the praise of God. We bring joy to other people because God has brought it to us, first of all. And we're able to find peace not because things have finally calmed down and everybody's doing what we want, but we found peace because we realize God is the one who brings that peace by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the gifts that He gives. And He says you can have peace even in the middle of war. And I'm going to be able to find this love and this joy and this patience because of the Holy Spirit. Stuff I would not normally have. Things that we would argue with all the time. He says, but I'll help you find that. We usually go one way or the other. Either we have intense self-control, which is the last one, and not much love. Or we have this intense love for everybody and everything but we've got no self-control. He says, I'm going to help you with where you are. And that's why it's personal for each one. It's not a list of exactly what he's going to do, but it's a, here's what I'm going to do with you to help you see this. What I want us to realize today is if the Spirit of God allows us to put to death the deeds of the body, the sinful things that we would do, then God must also lead us into All of those good things into the joy, into the glory of the Lord, into all the good things that God has, because God is good, right? Yay, I got one person. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever said that. (laughs) But I think you guys know the phrase, right? Do you believe the phrase? Are you going to live the phrase as if the Spirit of God is in you and He is making things good all the time because you have this relationship with God and the Spirit allows all those things to happen? I've seen people and heard people who have... Some kind of a big thing happened to them, either an accident and they were spared or a disease or something like that. And they've come out of that disease and, you know, they feel like, well, God has rescued me. God has saved me. And absolutely, I would believe that, too. And the statement is he's not finished with me yet. I think he has something he wants me to do. Okay, that's great. I would agree with that. And it's something big. And so I'm going to, I know I'm here for a purpose and I'm waiting for God to tell me what the something big is that God wants me to do. Not so sure that's correct. If there is something big, by all means do that. But it may be a thousand little things that the Spirit of God leads you into every single day. That you would show the kindness of God just ten people a day. That's it. Could you do that? Would God leave someone here to say, you know what, if He can just explain what the love of God is to ten people a day, five people a day, somebody today... He says, I'm going to do that. That would be amazing. That would be huge because I think that's where the spirit is in the same way. You know, it's nice to be able to stand up here and explain all this, but more people are going to see the love of God by what the person in the pew next to him does. By how great and amazing that is. It's really great to have you guys here. Peter and Niddy are here today. Sorry. (laughs) And that's got to be God doing something great in you guys' life. and We have been praying for you so much. And we know God's working in your life. And we can see those kind of things. And we see the Spirit working in those every single day. Doing those. I mean, it's great to see huge things happen, but sometimes it's the little things that make all the difference. And it changes someone's life because of that. In verse 26, you know, things don't always go so well, and the Spirit helps in those also. He says, "Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, that." See, this passage is so tight, you've got to read it correctly, and I'm having a struggle. Verse 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He Predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so he says a couple of very important things. He says, the Spirit helps not only in our strength, the Spirit helps in our weakness. When we don't even know what to do anymore. You guys ever been there? When things just don't go right and when nothing goes right, when the rest of the world seems to be falling apart and you can't even pray. And he says sometimes we get there when something is wrong and we aren't sure what. And we need something else and we get restless and we can't feel God anymore. And maybe he's moved and we are just a little bit prodigal because we are kind of upset at everything. And we can't explain it to ourselves, much less explain it to God. And we wish someone could understand how we feel. But we're not even sure how we feel. We just know everything's wrong and everything's upsetting. And if anybody crosses us, they're going to get it. Because nothing is right. But that's what he says. The Spirit helps in our weakness when we don't know how to pray. And if we don't have words, he says, I don't have any words either, but I can do it without words. Isn't that great to have a spirit who can communicate to God and doesn't have to explain it with English words or Spanish words or any other language kind of words? He says, you know what? We're inside of each other. And so we know each other so well because the spirit of God is God's spirit and puts that spirit inside of us. And so that spirit talks with our spirit because it's inside of us. It dwells in us. It knows us. Everything that we feel and everything that we don't know why we feel that way. And he says, this is where it is. And God searches our hearts because the spirit is inside of us. It's in our DNA. It's in our feeling. It's in our frustration. It's in our sadness. It's in our loneliness. It's when nothing is wrong. It's when everything is wrong. And the spirit explains that to God. He says you're you're their father, and they're trying to be your child. But boy, today is a bad day. Have you ever had a bad day? Maybe so. Have you ever tried to explain that one to God, or do you just give up? When we pray to God with open hands and open hearts and no words, you ever just sat there sometimes? Go, I don't know. I think that's a legitimate prayer. I think maybe that's a good way to talk to God. When we can't really figure out life, we we just let Him lead. Isn't that easier? Because we don't know. We couldn't explain it to ourselves. And it's just, we'll take another step. And the Spirit will put it in there and He'll show you what it's like when we can't figure it out. When we're open to God and there's no words and the Spirit intercedes with a link to the Father. And I like verse 28, even if I can't read it. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. But that's not the verse. It's all things work together for good for those that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And those who have the Spirit we just talked about and who have been able to get there. Because if you haven't done the last set of verses, I don't think you can claim verse 28. People want to pull verse 28 out and say, Oh, God's going to do everything for me so that everything's going to work out good. Did you ever get where you're led by God? Did you ever get where you're part of the family of God? Did you ever get where the Spirit is inside of you? You may have to do a little homework here and figure out how do I get that part in? How do I open myself enough to let something invisible that's powerful as God Himself come in? And be part of me. And yeah, those are conditions. Those who love God unconditionally. And those who are called according to His purpose. Where His purpose is what's most important. His purpose is beyond everything else. And we love God and we see this world as God's place. And this place where God lives. And as Paul writes this, you wonder if he's thinking about, you know, what's going to happen next, or if he still means it next, as he writes to the Romans when he's going to be sitting in a Roman prison some years from the time that he writes it. Can you still say, okay, all things work together for good, Paul? You know, I think he can. Because he says, you know what, I've converted the guards. Okay, I can see maybe, yeah, Paul. You can say all things are working for good because you understand it's all about the purpose of God. And when that is our focus, is the purpose of God. But if you're a little bit prodigal, then we might not get it. We might not say, I'm getting what I want. And all things to work together for me and what I want. No, it says all things work together for those who... Love God, understand His purpose, and we're called by that purpose. It is the Spirit of God who leads. Sometimes for what you can give to people, and sometimes for what you need from people. So, do you have the Spirit of God? There's a passage in First Thessalonians five nineteen that's very short. Do not quench the spirit. That's easy to say. Why would they say it like this? Do not throw him out. Do not I mean, what is it what is quench anyway? What does quench mean? When's the last time you quenched anything? The only thing we do is thirst, and that just means You know, get a Coke and drink the half a can or whatever it is that makes you Dr. Pepper, right? Okay, yeah, Kevin's is Dr. Pepper and he's got the big quench. So that way you know what quench is all about. That's not exactly what the word means. Quench means like when you would heat up a sword or some piece of metal to where it's red or even white hot. And then you would drop it into water that's ice cold. It changes like that. It's no longer on fire. It's no longer hot. It's quenched. It's what you do with a campfire when you pour water on it. Lots of steam, lots of smoke, but you couldn't light that thing again for nothing. It's when fire and water hit. Which one do you think going to win? You can take the fire of the Spirit in someone's life. If all you do is throw cold water on it, it's not too hard to put it out. Let the Spirit work. Be open to the way in which He works. Another translation, don't hold back the work of the Spirit. You're either involved with Him, open to Him, allowing these things as you follow where He's leading... Or you're still confused and life still doesn't make sense and life still doesn't fit and it doesn't come out and it doesn't work. And you're still trying to figure out, well, I don't know, i sure I believe in this Christianity. It doesn't see it works for some people. It's not working for me. And it's because you don't understand what the Holy Spirit is yet or how it comes in and how it fills your life. And as a result of all these things, what the Spirit does, let me just encourage you not to give up because I think we spend most of our time in the Church of Christ teaching about the first two, the Father and the Son and the baptism and the cleansing, and we don't talk any about the filling. And we've missed out. Because we have a whole lot of people who are clean and had no clue what to do or where to go or how to handle. He says we, we need this Holy Spirit part. So let me encourage you today, if you don't have this all figured out, please don't give up. Just be open, because you know what the main thing he does? He leads. And you listen for the whisper. And you listen for what he can do in your life. Now, you understand you do need to be cleansed and have all your sins taken away. We do that by baptism and by making a covenant with him. But then we are given the Spirit, and the Spirit fills and takes over from there. We see God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. We see Jesus, and in your day and time living right now, the Spirit is alive on earth, inside of you. If you're still dealing with all this stuff and don't know how to do it, Maybe we can pray for you today. We'll try and use words that make sense to God. But maybe we can let the Spirit use even something deeper.